Welcome to Job Seekers Radio. I'm Scott. And I'm Andrew. And this production is meant to provide you, the listener, meaningful support to find great careers faster. Whether you're working or not. Today's episode is brought to you by The Anatomy of a Networking Conversation. It's an ebook that Andrew and I put together and a free resource for you, and you can download it at jobseekersradio.com. It's very pragmatic, a series of steps that you can take to improve your networking skill. And it comes with companion audio. So I highly recommend it to download today. We want this to be a resource that you find useful. Also on jobseekersradio.com, you'll be able to give us some feedback on that. If you think there are questions or concerns that we don't answer in the networking conversation discussion, then you can give that to us and we can use that for future edits, but also to answer questions on future podcasts. And in fact, this podcast is going to be another Q&A episode where we've got some questions that have come to us over the last period and we want to answer them Figuring that if one person asks, several others will be thinking about it. The first question that we got actually is really kind of interesting and uh, kind of hit me, I guess, uh, in the heart a little bit. Uh, so here's how it starts out. How do I start a career with a worthless law degree when nobody will give me an interview after six years of looking for work and over 2,500 job applications? What a tough situation he's in. So yes, that's going to open up a whole bunch of questions that a coach will want to ask, and hopefully he's getting some coaching. We we wanted to tackle this. Uh, there are a, a number of things that come to mind. We wanted to tackle this with the idea of actually asking some of these questions. So when, when you think about the fact that you've been looking for work in your degree, lined up with the education that you have, you've had 2,500 job applications go out. That first of all, is frustrating all by itself. We've just done an episode prior to this about long-term unemployment, looking for work for a long period of time, feeling unemployable, and that you've tried everything. Somebody in this situation, the person who asked this question, has to be going through that. Also, in the, the longer version of the story was the idea that acknowledging that he or she graduated from a low-tier law school. And I have a brother who went through law school, I have friends that have, and they were the ones that instructed me that where you get your degree is actually important. These are all things to know before you get into that career is where does the educational value uh, start? And that begins with a conversation about the university itself. Setting that where it belongs, that's definitely an issue. I I believe our ways that someone in this situation can actually benefit from maybe not going into a law firm. I worked with a gal in one of my full-time jobs who had her degree. She passed the bar. She, you know, had her licensure, everything that was necessary, and then chose to go to work in the higher ed industry and was was legal counsel for the university. It provided her quite a bit of usable work, you know, the, the transferable skills, all of the things, but not in the traditional environment for an attorney. And it was a much better fit for her in talking with her about it. She didn't enjoy working for the law firm that actually hired her at, at first. Now, this 
individual is saying can't even get into a firm. What are some non-traditional ways that education can actually help? Associations need uh, attorneys, uh, someone with legal background. There are HR consultancies that absolutely need this because they're working not only with laws, with legislation that is passed, but then there's the EEOC, which isn't technically law, it's regulatory in nature. And so that takes on a completely different perspective and set of activities that you do from a legal perspective. That's just one thing that I'd want to explore with this individual is where are you looking? What what are you looking for specifically? As all good coaches should do, we're asking questions to help this person and any listener that's joining. These are some questions you can ask yourself. So think of it like self-coaching at this point. Certainly you can seek out coaches to yeah. help support you. Well, and uh, there are support network groups or, out there. Right. That, there's a yeah. there's a lot of resources. And, and so I can just feel in this story that someone just needs to tell you, you have value. And I will do that right now. <laughs> you have value. You have the education. You have the experience. You have all the tools necessary to be successful. You're not the part that's broken. And that is an important concept. Our, our friend Cleon talks about this in his Job Finders support group. You have all of the answers already within you. Now, I know from personal experience that can be really tough to swallow because if I had all the answers, why am I still doing the same thing or not getting the success I need? And that can be a very frustrating question. If we can accept the idea that we just haven't unlocked the answers, even though we have them, that's a different internal search. And I think it's an important one to acknowledge. You can find the answers when you ask better questions. So the two questions I would add on to that Once I've decided or at least agreed with myself that I have value, where can I add value and how can I add value and how can I find the place that's got the opportunities? Now I'm asking myself better questions and we actually did a whole podcast episode on asking ourselves better questions. So that's something I would look at. Now, I can also see from this profile that there's a lot of debt involved here. Student loans are incredible. uh, The interest rates. And so there's a lot of pressure on you. uh, So you need to have an outlet for the pressure. Whatever that is, find it. We were talking in our prior episode about self-care, and this individual is definitely going to need to avail himself of some self-care practices. And we do understand if your student debt is growing because you can't make more than the minimum payment, I I feel for you. I've been there. I fortunately had an opportunity to get out of from under my student debt, I eventually was able to pay it off. I was very lucky. I acknowledge that. It is tough in the current environment, the way higher education is set up and the way that those who offer student loans can put this together is not in the favor of the student. They're there to make money. That makes it more difficult. That doesn't mean that we don't have responsibility for paying that back. It's really about not beating yourself up over it. As we do that, there are things that I think you're speaking to. How do I give the value? What value am I doing? Also, what organizations align with my values so that the value I bring is actually the value they're looking for? So here's a different kind of question you want to ask yourself to coach yourself through this. It is a difficult spot. We grant that. We acknowledge. We want to make sure that whoever asks this question hears the idea that you do have value, that you do have something to offer. We want to help you find the organization that will value you the way you do. 
we encourage you to listen to some of our prior podcasts to get perspective around that. How do I find the organization that aligns with my values? How do I speak their language? These are all skills that you will want to work on. To this person specifically, I would be asking a series of questions about getting them out of the depth of the difficulty in terms of what they're thinking about. And now let's shift our focus on what do you want? What is it that you're going for? How can can we now, and, and in fact, I'm having this conversation, I'm coaching someone through right now who is in that kind of, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? And okay, let's think about this. It's a tool that works for me. It's not going to work for everybody. What would you do if you won the lottery mm-hmm. and you had no monetary concerns? What would you do? What would that look like? How would you spend your time? And then riffing off of that, there are two things that are happening. One, I'm starting to feel better. And when I realized that when I would think about winning the lottery and what I'd do with all that money, and it made me feel better, I kept going back to that because I just wanted to feel better. I was in a bad place and I wanted to get myself to a good place. So what did that look like? Well, what I discovered was that that also gave me what purpose am I looking for? And how can I add value to an organization that has a similar purpose? Now I have something to look for. I would also advocate this person just needs to get on base, man. He just needs a full-time job or she, I'm not sure which. And you talked about it just a moment ago about the different types of organizations. You could use a law degree outside of a firm itself, a law firm itself. The other thing to look at is if you just want to get in, maybe you start as a paralegal. And Paralegals are all over the place. They're not only at firms, they're at organizations. You can also look at supporting a purchasing department through contracts, right? So writing of contracts is a legal document and contract review and formatting is something you could do for a company. And I also think you just reminded me about the nonprofit world. Yes, they don't pay as much as for-profit businesses. Often some of them do. They have a need as well. There is a need for your skill set is what we're saying. You have skills, abilities, you have knowledge that people need. Without talking to you personally to find out what other barriers there may be, I'm not able to actually give a personalized list of things that you might be able to add to your toolkit. We do want you to ask yourself these coaching questions. It's always the open-ended questions that really get you thinking. Closed-ended, the the yes-no questions are important. Be sure that you're asking yourself questions that make you think. And avoid the yeah, but. Yeah, 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 but be cautious of that. That's going to put you back in a different mindset. So mindset really matters, especially when you're in a potentially dark place. Right. The next question we have here, how should I approach a job, a new job interview after leaving an industry for two years? Uh, the backstory here is a gentleman had started a business, opened a restaurant, used to work in the IT industry, and um, has about 10 years experience and is coming back to the industry because the business has slowed down and money is tight. Anybody who started a business can relate to that. That's actually, I think, what I would highlight. We think about, oh, I've left the industry, or I've left this spe- specific kind of role, and be- to do something different. Well, I don't know many people who don't respect those who go out and try and make a living in a new way. They're putting themselves out there. They're taking a chance. If you've had any level of success, you've probably learned things along the way. Here's your opening. I did what I was passionate about. I got out there and I took a chance and I made this happen and I made it happen for two years. And these are all the things that I learned from it. So as I come back into the field, look at all of these new 
new skills, new perspectives, new ideas that I have picked up in the last two years that I want to apply in this job so that I can add more value than I could have had I not done this. Now I'm having a different conversation with that employer. And how many people in IT have that experience, right? That have the experience of business formulation, running a profit and loss statement, paying a payroll. These are valuable skills for leadership. So it may be that you don't go back to, you're you're at the wrong level. You know what I'm saying? It could be that you are an IT individual contributor when really you should be maybe shooting a little bit higher as a manager. Fantastic advice. And if you, during that time, have kept up, or at least in the, the short term, the, the near past, have upped your skills on the newer version of whatever it is that you are doing to stay relevant, that's going to serve you well. But your point about leadership is important because with your new skill set, you're actually going to be giving more value for that higher level perspective. And when we're talking an IT interview, just remember that there's a lot of resources out there available. There's the internet. We have LinkedIn Learning. We have, there's coding school out there. There's boot camps. There's coaches that actually focus on helping you crack that uh, architectural or coding interview. So there's lo- there's no lack of resources for you to prepare for any interview, not the least of which is probably Glassdoor. I would probably go to glassdoor.com, look at the title that you're interviewing for, and see if anybody's put any kind of information out there about the questions they were asked or the process for the interview. You can even ask the HR resource that is scheduled the interview. What kind of interview is this? How many people am I meeting? Am I expected to do a a practical? Sure. What does that look like? I'm also thinking about those who have been in a higher position and gotten out of it, in this case, to open up a restaurant, whatever that it may be, and then come back. It may be that some of those learning opportunities, they've already covered those. They, they know about those. And maybe they have kept up their skills on the skills that they have. Here's the, the advantage of networking. And I know of networking groups for uh, IT professionals. So you're getting together with them. You're having these conversations. You can find out what trends have happened in the intervening years. Where are some opportunities for you to sort of practice upgrading your skills? Whatever that might look like. As you're having these conversations with them, you're getting an idea of what may be out there. And specifically, if you're bringing value, you're thinking about the value you're going to bring to an organization. If they are already aligned with what you want to do professionally, uh, in, in terms of how you show up at work, what kind of leadership style you have, what can you offer to those who are newer in the industry. These are all things that are going to resonate with people that are looking for the higher level positions. Reminds me of a coaching client just this last year that I had. A gentleman in Seattle was an engineering manager at um, AWS. Okay, but he wasn't just a manager. He was a manager of managers. So he was fairly high up in the organization. And the reason I bring that up is because he wanted to go work for another organization. He had identified some targets and he landed an interview at Facebook, which is also in Seattle. I said, okay, I can help you with the interview part, right? The behavioral and, you know, the positioning and the branding, but I can't really help you with the technical side because he'd been in Seattle for 15, 20 years and he's worked at several of the tech companies there. I said, do you know anybody at all at Facebook? He goes, well, yeah, somebody I worked with at Microsoft is now over at Facebook. Well, can he help you with the architectural discussions, with the, the coding piece? And he was a manager of managers, but he was still expected to have at least a, a rudimentary understanding 
understanding of right. the technology. Right. I think of it from the, the company perspective. I want to hire a manager of managers who has the ability to get in and do the work that the others do so they can at least make those kinds of connections. It's not that they're going to be expected to do that work, but they should at least know how, how it's done, how it's put together to some degree. Remember, though, that if you're applying for a position, you were a manager of managers and you're applying for a similar position, your management skills and I'm going to say your leadership skills, which is a different skill set, is going to be far more important than the level to which you know the details of the architecture and other things. Yes, you need to know them. Yes, you know need to know what the most recent version looks like. They're hiring you to manage people and to lead people through, whether it's change, whether it's new concepts that you're bringing to market, whatever that looks like, whatever role you're playing, it's your leadership skills that are most important. Fine-tune your skills, your ability to speak the language. Don't lose track of what they're actually needing from you. That's where the networking can come in. So if I'm going from my business back into the industry, two years is not very long, truthfully. Architecturally speaking, technology speaking, you might need to get up to speed on cloud. That's a big thing going uh, yeah. on right now. There are, and so, there are yes, a number of things. And, that and there's a number to... of things. So you should yeah. tool up, certainly spend a portion of your time tooling up, yeah. spend a portion of your time practicing answers to interview questions, and do your very, very best to find an internal champion that can help you through the interview process. Right. People talk to me, and again, I'm thinking in the HR world, about how our IT staff, they're data people. They're not people people. All people are people people to a degree. We are humans. We are social creatures. Even the introverts have some benefit from interacting with other people. Don't lose sight of the fact that the networking is actually going to benefit you in a lot of ways. It's not going to be a waste of your time, even if it's a great deal of effort for you. People worry about, oh, well, I'm not good at small talk. Okay, then don't do small talk. Well, how do I then launch into a conversation? Okay, you and I talk to people all the time about have a project you're working on. When they say, oh, well, what do you do? Well, I'm working on a project and I'm looking for someone who can give me information and advice. It completely changes the way that conversation goes. You don't have to do the small talk. That brings us to the next question. What do you do when you feel like you've hit a dead end in your career? This question is actually a big question. And actually, there's a series of questions that we're going to go through here and, and answer. So stick around because literally there's five questions we're going to answer from this one person. Right. And and the first one is at least the backstory. And, and you can probably relate. I know I can relate. There's times in my career where I felt like, hey, I'm stuck or I'm not where I'm supposed to I've be. I've changed or, careers five times. I get it. So, but here's the backstory. This person's in the early 30s, uh, had five jobs since leaving college, has been in this job, I think the longest tenure and took the job for stability, salary, and benefits, which are all good reasons. Yep. They're not great reasons. And and they didn't have, this is the first job they took without knowing what would come after it. The idea, what does my future look like? Well, I'll just give you an example for myself. I was working for someone who was not giving me feedback that I needed in order to advance my career. I was asking very specific questions and I kept getting roadblocks or or actually it started with getting nothing at all. My situation changed and I was now reporting to somebody different. So I asked the same question of that person and basically got the same non-answer. Nothing ever came of it, even though I was asking specifically, yeah, I'll get back to you on it. And then finally, I had someone who told me no, that he didn't want to say to me, you don't have a future. There wasn't an opportunity immediately available and he 
did not see me as being able or there, there was no future for my advancement. But he wanted me to stay in the job because what I did was really good. Well, I wanted to grow my career. So what did I do? I started consulting. I started doing the side gigs because if I can't get the sense of fulfillment from the job, I do have the benefits. I do have the income. All the things that this person talked about, that's why I kept that job. Then I started doing things on the outside because that's where the fulfillment was and future was going to come from. And I found that to be a game changer for me. It changed my whole sense of self. It changed my attitude. If you you feel like you've hit a dead end in, in your career, it may not be your career. It may just be with your employer. It might be the work you're focused on, even though that the title be. is the same. It could be you're doing work in the area of that organization that doesn't give you fulfillment. Happens all the time. The thing I think is really encouraging when I read this story, the self-awareness piece. This is the first time I took it for these reasons and I didn't have a future plan. Now I know that your mind is open because you recognize something about yourself. So I give you kudos and congratulations for having this level of self-awareness in your early 30s. I certainly didn't have it. And this person says the reasons I have a specialist role, I think specialties are great. I think that they say a lot about your ability to really hone in on detail and to work that through. Sometimes people get into generalist positions by title, but are actually functioning as a specialist within a certain subset. And these are all building blocks. What do you want out of your career would be a question I want to know from this individual. Because you're a specialist, often you may be maxed out, right? You feel like you've learned everything there is to know. And if you're um, the type of person who likes to learn and do new things, the reason you might feel stuck is because you're not learning to do new things. Sure. And this is an opportunity for you to take advantage of that. Maybe outside of your specialty, which appears to be in healthcare, in a very specific niche, maybe you look at um, doing a stretch assignment inside the organization in another department if the company will allow you to do so. Some companies allow you to job shadow. So you get an idea of what the other jobs look like uh, if you have any um, interdepartmental contact. So what is it like to work in your department? So you get a better perspective when if you have a deliverable for that other department, what is it that they actually need from you? A lot of companies will allow you to do that to a certain degree, you know, a limited amount of time, whatever that looks like. But it does inform you on what next step could be when those opportunities come up. And look at the virtues and assets you already have, even though it's a niche role in healthcare and you don't feel like there's a future. Sometimes we forget, I know I do this, the value or the virtue of what you've already got so that you can then have gratitude. And when you have gratitude, you present yourself differently. That is true. And That is and very true. One of the virtues I see in, in a work, if you're in the operational side of healthcare, is typically those people work Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and it's like 12-hour shifts or something of that nature. Sometimes it's at night, but that typically will give you a few days during the week to do your networking, to do the job shadowing, to execute a job search and go do interviews in some other organization or capacity. So there's a lot of virtue and value in what you already have uh, to continue going forward. And the other action I'd probably take is I'd start banking some of my money. If I'm getting that good of a salary, I would certainly start a a job transition fund of some kind where if, if I got to a point where I like, you know what, I just need to tap out and go do something else. I've got some financial 
financial runway. Well, and one of the things that we read in this was that this individual works for a passive-aggressive micromanager. I just did a, an article, a piece. I haven't actually published it yet. It's coming probably next month. It talks about micromanagement versus empowerment and the idea that when you're dealing with someone who supervises you, who is really difficult to work for, you may be in a really tight place right now that you can't do all the things that you want to do. Everything changes. Nothing is permanent. Try to be patient with that situation. Look for ways that, because you don't want to break the rules. This individual talked about there are extremely strict policies in regards to attendance and tardiness. Absolutely. You want to make sure that you are working with integrity. You're not blurring those lines, you're sticking to the policies. I get that. If you don't want to work in that environment anymore, but you have specialized skills, here's the opportunity that hopefully will come up through networking, is to figure out who needs those same skills in a different kind of environment. I'm here to tell you, if you work in healthcare, you have a a large number of transferable skills. We just have to think about them in a new way. And find new places to use them. Exactly. That's all. If you have a passive-aggressive micromanager, what you've identified is the type of leader you don't want to work for. Sure. So let's define the opposite of that. Make sure that you understand when you go to the next place that you have yourself a little checklist. Yes, salary is important. Yes, uh, growth is important. Yes, benefits are important. Sure. All those things are important, but make sure that you're also checking off some of the other boxes. The cultural the cultural questions. aspect, yeah. oh, the absolutely. type of leader you want to work for, the, the, the growth opportunities, the, the development pathways that might be open to you. Now, something that we haven't really addressed and something I would talk to this individual, I, th- I think she, he or she said they were in their 30s. Okay, do you have plans on when you want to retire? Do you want to retire? And if so, at what time are you targeting? Because that's going to help to determine what you do next. I can think of someone that I know who decided to stick with the job. They had been in this role or at least on this trajectory for a long enough period of time that they were actually able to retire quite young and start a second career doing something completely different. What that did was, okay, so if I stick with this for another five years, I can retire and then go, I don't have to take social security or anything because I'm gonna do something so totally different. I need to, to your point, have that transition fund started. So what does that look like? How can I change my situation so that working for this passive-aggressive micromanager actually is less disturbing in the short term because I'm now going for a different goal? It's shifting your own mindset in that sense. But then I'm also thinking about, okay, if you feel like you're at, you're tapping out your skill set based on the role that you're in, are these skills in demand in a completely different situation? Because it may be that you just don't know about what the future could be. It's not that your career is over, you've maxed out your, your career. It's that maybe there's something that is outside of the parameters you've been working in within the last 10 years or so. Very presumptuous and making assumptions that the skills only apply in this one little right. area. And that I've never seen that to be true. I've always seen that there's always something that you do that is just who you are, part of your brand. We talk a lot about 
about right. brand. As long as you display a brand, how you execute that brand is entirely up to you. All of a sudden, I think about my first chiropractor. He's no longer practicing chiropractic. He actually was able to make a big shift and is now a top executive for a rehabilitative facility. Completely different. In owning his own business, he was actually able to develop skills that then he could apply there. And I'm wondering if this individual who is a specialist within healthcare with a specific skill set, if there isn't some way to talk to colleagues, even within your organization or some of your partner organizations, about what skills are needed in other environments and do your networking that way. A lot of times we don't think about networking within our organization. So if this is a, a healthcare organization that has multiple departments, you can be networking all within your company. So you're still on the clock. You don't have to all of a sudden excuse yourself and take a personal day off. You're still at work. But you can have the, that networking opportunity within the organization and the networking skills remain the same. I would approach your HR department too. There's likely somebody in HR or talent development or or what have you that knows about the different areas and can provide you some resources. Sure. That's yeah. a possibility. Employment development specialist within your organization. And if you don't want to lean on your organization, I we would both recommend, not because we are coaches, but coaching is valuable. And you may just need to have an objective set of eyes on your skill sets to help you see where those skill sets could go. And we just actually completed an episode on, you know, how do I know which jobs to apply for? And I think that would be perfect episode for this yeah, person to listen to. I would to, agree. That, hey, now I can look at all of my stuff and see, okay, I can just start doing some, some research on, on what that looks like. You know, and something else that just occurred to me, I know this individual was talking about the possibility of going back to school, and that's always something to explore. I would never tell someone, no, don't go back to school. However, there are a lot of schools that offer certification in different things. So if you wanted to broaden your skills, you can have your current, and even with a, a micromanager, there are ways to get uh, support for paying for, or at least allowing you time to get a certification in something that may not be absolutely applicable to your current role. Or maybe you could teach mm. a certification for one of these uh, schools. There are ways that you can broaden your horizons with the skill set that you have. I guess what I really want to encourage this individual to think about is how are you limiting your own perspective on what you might be doing because you're in such a specialized role. And that's where the coaching comes in to get you to break down the barriers that you're putting up for yourself because you see your limitations. What happens when those limitations go away? This person has high self-awareness. We know that. Yeah. And I love that. Uh, the other thing is they've had five different jobs since college. That means they have different perspectives, a kaleidoscope of experience. I would say, take a look at leadership. Maybe you want to be the manager that right. meets all the requirements without being a micromanager. And so maybe you're learning through your own experience how to become a leader. It's funny because I have a very close friend who does not want to be a manager, doesn't want to manage people, doesn't want to be a leader of any kind, absolutely not, wants to be able to just come to work and go home. I respect that. 
I understand it. And yet, he has skills that would make him a phenomenal manager. He doesn't want to do it. He is able to put his life together. He can pay his bills. You know, he doesn't live high off the hog. This is what he wants to do. What's really interesting then is to see how he has shifted from one industry to another very successfully using those same transferable skills. But now he's in a completely different industry and he's still succeeding. If this individual doesn't want to go into management, okay, here we go. What are those transferable skills and who are you talking to about how they might use them? Not saying how they might hire you, just how would these skills come into play in your industry or in your company? So you're getting some new ideas. I really think that what what you lack isn't opportunity, it's perspective. And often you can get that perspective through networking. And whether that's inside the company, like you said, you could be on the clock, you could even do it off the clock on your days off. Uh, There's no limit to that side of things. I think about a couple of people that have had their own businesses. They have been the top person at their company who have been either at Breakfast Club or some of the other networking groups that I belong to who want people to ask them questions. They want to be helpful. They attend these in part to help others, not just to get something for themselves. Going to those networking groups, you can meet people who can actually be a coach and help you see things from new perspectives. I can't tell you how important networking is for this individual. And if you're not familiar with how to do the networking, you can always take advantage of our free resource. It's the Anatomy of a Networking Conversation. It's an ebook with companion audio. It's a wonderful resource. It's our free gift to you. You can get that and the show notes at jobseekersradio.com forward slash 066. Thank you everybody for listening to this episode of Job Seekers Radio. We want to acknowledge your investment of time, your attention, your interest. This is really gratifying for us and, and we do this as a labor of love. We're, we're just glad you're listening. If you're on your little iPhone there, go over to iTunes and subscribe to get future episodes. While you're there, please leave us a rate and review. We're happy to respond to any questions you have and we want to make this one of the better job-seeking podcasts on the interwebs. Please reach out to us. Let us know what's on your mind. Tell us what you're frustrated with, things that you have questions about. Tell us your success stories because I'm sure people want to hear that too. And for those of you on Android, you can always go to our website, jobseekersradio.com. You can leave questions there. Uh, There's also a contact us button. You can just hit the little contact uh, button there and uh, leave us a message. It'll come to our email. I'm Scott. And I'm Andrew. And the quote for today we want to leave is actually from Mary Pickford. She said, it's not, failure is not the falling down. It's the staying down. That's great, Scott. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.